Here we go. Russians and dear friends, 2022 is drawing to a close. It was a year of tough but necessary decisions, critical steps towards achieving Russia's full sovereignty and a vital consolidation of our society. This year has revealed the true nature of many things. It has shown the difference between courage and bravery on one hand and treachery and cowardice on the other, which shows that there's nothing greater than love for our families and relatives, loyalty to our friends and brothers-in-arms, and devotion to our homeland. This was a year of pivotal and fateful events that set the foundation of our common future and our true independence this is what we are fighting for today we are protecting our people in our historic lands new constituent territories of the russian federation we are building and creating together the fate of russia is above all our sacred duty to our ancestors and generations to come is to protect our homeland. We are right, morally and historically. The outgoing year has brought significant change to Russia and the whole world. Even though it was full of worries and anxiety, our multi-ethnic country has demonstrated its courage and dignity, as it always has during times of trouble for Russia. They have supported in word and deed the defenders of our homeland, our soldiers, officers, and all others engaged in the special military operation. We have always known, and it's confirmed today, that a sovereign, independent, and safe future for Russia depends on us and no one else, on our strength and our will. For years, the Western elites hypocritically assured us all that their intentions were peaceful, including attempts to address an incredibly complicated crisis in the Donbass. In reality, however, they promoted neo-Nazis who continued to wage war and carry out terrorist attacks against civilians in the People's Republic of the Donbass. Say what you want. Again, I'll say it again. Say what you want about Vladimir Putin, but... This man right here, all right, he got his dirt, but he's protecting his country from neo-Nazis. You can't say that about the United States. You can't say about the United States government. You can't say that for any government that supports Ukraine. Okay? And information is coming out about, you know, the country citizens supporting neo-Nazis. You have a child. If you look on, you know, alternative websites, you you have a child drawing a swastika. It's okay with it in Ukraine. Mother's perfectly fine with it. And I say says they're about freedom, but you're helping out neo Nazis. Then you want to attack Russia, who has helped defeated Nazis. Hmm. It's also sad that you have black people, black people, in Congress, you know, being okay with Zelensky, a man that is says he's for free speech, but he has shut down churches. He has um, his country tried to force blacks to fight for neo Nazis when blacks were in the country. You're just clapping hands in Congress as Zelensky speaks. Your stomach should churn, and you guys should vote with your feet walking out of Congress, just walking out of that auditorium in disgust. Did you see how things are going? The West lied about peace while preparing for aggression. Today, it acknowledges this openly and is not ashamed of it. They cynically exploit Ukraine and its people to divide and weaken Russia. 
We will not allow this to happen. We never did, and we never will. Russian soldiers, militia, and volunteers are fighting for our homeland, for truth and justice, to ensure peace and security for Russia. All of them are heroes to us. Their burden is the heaviest today. With all of my heart, I wish a Happy New Year to all participants of the Special Military Operation. To everybody, those who are here with me, those on the front lines and adjacent territories, those in the training centers getting ready to join the fight, those in hospitals, those who are home after a tour of duty, those on combat duty in strategic units, and all the personnel of the Russian armed forces. Comrades, thank you for your service. Our entire great nation is proud of your will, resilience, and courage. The hearts and minds of millions are with you. Tonight, people will be raising their glasses to you. I extend my gratitude to all those who provide combat support, drivers and railway workers, doctors, paramedics and nurses, fighting for the lives of our soldiers and treating wounded civilians, engineers of our military and civilian factories who are working very hard, constructors erecting civil structures and fortifications, helping to rebuild the ravaged cities and villages of the Donbass and Novorossiya. Dear friends, Russia has been living under sanctions since the events in Crimea in 2014. Yet this year, an all-out sanction war has been declared against us. The masterminds behind it expected our industrial, financial, and transportation sectors to collapse. This didn't happen. Together, we have built an adequate backup. Everything we have done and continue to do is aimed at achieving sovereignty in the critical area, our economy. Our struggle for ourselves, for our interests and future, is inspiring for other nations as they aspire to forge an equitable and multipolar world. It is of great importance that in the outgoing year our nation especially valued mercy, solidarity, and its readiness to help. Increasingly more people feel they need to assist each other. They join their efforts on their own initiative, without any instructions. Thank you for your tenderness, responsibility and kindness, for joining the common cause despite differences in age and prosperity, for organizing warehouses and transportation of supplies to our soldiers in the war zone and residents of war-torn towns and villages, for sending children from our new regions on holidays. You have also provided great support to the families of our fallen soldiers. They sacrificed their lives to protect others. I understand how hard it is on New Year's Eve for their wives, sons, daughters and parents who brought up true heroes. We are going to do everything in our power to help the families of those killed in action to raise their children, educate them, and offer professional training. I can feel your pain. Please accept my words of sincere support. Friends, even in the darkest times, Russia has always celebrated the New Year. It has always been our favorite holiday, bringing out the best in people and amplifying the importance of traditional family values, energy, generosity, and mutual trust. 
On New Year's Eve, everybody wants to make their loved ones happy, to share kindness and emotional warmth with them, to give them what they dream of, to see delight in their children's eyes and feel the gratitude from parents for our attention. Our seniors know how to treasure these moments of happiness. Dear friends, it's How important it is to look after one another, always and any time. Let our kind words and noble feelings instill emotional strength and confidence that together we can overcome any hurdles and preserve the greatness and independence of our nation, that we will never turn back and will always prevail for the benefit of our families and Russia, for the future of our one and only beloved homeland. Happy New Year, friends. Happy 2023. That feels more inspiring than listening to Joe Biden. <clears throat> it does. Or Trump. Feels very inspiring. He feels like he's actually fighting for something real. Now, like I said, this guy has his own dirt. Okay. I don't hold him to, uh, you know, like he's a saint. If you dig into these countries, they all have their issues. All right. And they all have their, uh, um, their dirt and their sins, all right? But he's fighting against the West. You see what we're going through right now. We're going through so much legalized pedophilia soon coming. You can't even protect your, you know, teachers are trying to corrupt your kids, trying to give your kids, uh, what, uh, alternate, you know, hormone um, alterations, Okay. They're trying to prevent that from coming over here. All right. Putin did a Christmas commercial showing about how a young boy is dressed up like a girl and he grew up and he has the same uh, alphabet parents. But then he comes by in a Santa Claus costume and he changes everything around. The boy has uh, toys for boys, a car, a drum set. He has a mother and a father. OK. And then leaves. OK. And he's clowning the West, and rightfully so, because we're on the decline here. <clears throat> Culturally, morally, financially. I mean, you could do your own research. You'll find out. We are on, we are going to have experienced some serious hard times. And barely anybody's prepared for that. Look what's going on in Buffalo. All right. The snow, people are robbing and looting. And they think that's cool until the businesses get fed up and leave. And now you have nowhere to eat, nowhere to work. And now you're a bunch of vagrants migrating to different places, causing trouble and committing crimes. And then someone has to put you down because you won't listen. The National Guard has to come in and restore law and order. All right. And Putin doesn't want that in his country. Yet they're looking, painting him as the bad guy. Like I said, he probably has his own dirt. All right. But I can never be, I cannot side with the U.S. and stand with neo-Nazis. I'm not going to do that. All right. Next story's up. It's getting bad in China, man. It is getting seriously bad in China. It's not a joke. It's definitely not a joke. We begin the show tonight with five shocking videos from China. Videos that the Chinese regime will never show you. Videos that tell you about the scale of the Wuhan virus tragedy in China. The first video is from Anshan, a city in the Liaoning province. It shows what resembles a parking lot, 
with a series of dead bodies lying inside caskets. Reports say this video was shot right before they were taken to a funeral home. Have a look. One second. Oh, yep. Hold on a minute. And if you think that's bad, then wait until you see this. This video is from a Shanghai hospital. It shows dead bodies wrapped inside medical gowns. What makes this any different than, you know, wow. It's like, it's like you, you're looking at World War II, what the Nazis were doing. And they had these, they had these graves, these mass graves. Wow. Remember I told you, I don't know if you guys know, but I've talked a couple of months ago about those uh, FEMA caskets they had those plastic coffins, and they were expecting something big? Well, what do you know? And I, and I guarantee you they're going to be using that soon with the next, uh, the next trick that Bill Gates has up his sleeves. They are lying inside a locker room like luggage waiting to be loaded. The third video is also from Shanghai. It shows a sea of people waiting in long queues. Look carefully, the lines stretch to the very end of the facility. What exactly are these people waiting for? Reports say to register themselves for funeral services. Watch this now. <laughs> Okay,把到的这些客户来,阿拉个客户来,给我听一下嘛。确定看到啊,我都开始你买的,你可以找,这是今天的拿好情况啊。如果你们方便的话,明,呃,星期一早上一定要找来一个人排队。把心大门不关
These were just five videos. There are many more, many more horrific images, many more shocking accounts, many more terrifying details. And we have been bringing them to you every day. Not for personal gain or benefit, but to tell the world about the plight of the Chinese people. The kind of suffering that their leader has inflicted upon them. The price that they are paying for his lopsided policies. Have a look at this report now. It says people in China are rushing to book travel as the country's borders finally, finally reopen. It says travel offices are reporting a spike in traffic. Passport applications are at an all-time high. The question is, are these people just looking to travel or are they looking to escape the country? To run away from the grasp of the Chinese state? They are running away. Many of the businessmen and upper class, they're gone. They, they left. They're not. It's like Ukraine. Many of the upper class and middle class, you know, they're gone. They, they left Ukraine just like here. They're leaving China. They ain't coming back. For what? And I ask these questions because an exodus is underway in China. And we have been reporting on it for days now. Now, another report has emerged. It says Chinese citizens are trying to enter the U.S. through the rainforests of Central America. The report says Chinese citizens are using messaging platforms like WeChat to get details on how to reach the U.S.-Mexico border. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, we're going to have the ma a massive border crisis, a massive border crisis. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Democrats take um, take advantage of this and be like, you know what? We, we you could come in here, but we need you to vote Democrat. That's exactly what's going to happen. And then they're going to end up dealing with worse problems. OK, you think China was bad. They come over here and they, they're going to be desperate for a better life, they're going to try and vote Democrat. Okay. And many immigrants will join the military like they do. They still have that policy. You join the military, you survive. You're a citizen. That's how many will try to get their citizenship. Okay. And that is how, you know, the left will gain their advance don't believe me that's how that's how they do it that's how they will do it they are getting in touch with chinese dissidents who have escaped the country in the past to get out of the country they are boarding planes to countries like ecuador and with the help of human traffickers they are entering the united states of america some authorities have confirmed this, like the government of Panama. It says over 1,300 Chinese nationals crossed its Darien province and entered the U.S. in 2022. These people paid an average of $5,000 to $10,000 for transport, smugglers, food along with the bribes to gangsters and corrupt policemen. The BBC has carried a detailed report on this. It says, in the days ahead, this exodus will only strengthen, given how travel has re resumed and airports have reopened. Look at this report. China has issued a number of new passports and visas for next year. And this means millions of Chinese people are expected to go abroad starting January 2023. And there is no saying how many of them plan on returning. Now, that's one concern. Another concern is this the risk of the Chinese citizens taking the virus along. I know what you must be thinking. The variant spreading in China has already been found in other parts of the world. But what if I tell you there are three other variants that are spreading in China? That's right. A new report says that the current COVID surge in China has been caused by not one, not two, not three, but four variants that are circulating in the country. And what's worse, the BF7 variant, which we know of and which the world is talking about, accounts for a small fraction of the cases. 
Let me break it down for you. According to the report, the BF7 accounts for just 15% of the cases. The majority of the cases, that's around 50%, are caused by variants from the BN and BQ series. The SVB variant is behind 10 to 15% of the cases, and the rest are caused by variants formerly circulating in China. It's a cocktail of deadly variants that behave differently in different settings. So there is no saying how prepared other countries are to deal with these variants. If, God forbid, they start spreading on their soil. And before I wrap up the story, I want to share a list of names. Some of you may know them if you follow Chinese films. Zhang Mu, Song Changrong, Ren Zhu, Chu Lan Lan, Cheng Jinghua, Yu Yu Heng, Xiong Ying Zheng, Hu Menglan, and Zhao Zihuan. These are all names of renowned artists, actors, socialized opera singers from China. All these people are apparently no more. They have been allegedly killed by the Wuhan virus. And reports say all these deaths unfolded recently during the ongoing surge in infections. That's according to the Epoch Times, a news agency affiliated to the Falun Gong movement, a religious organization that China has banned. So remember people said 2023 is going to be a really bad year. Yo, they weren't joking. They were not joking. We cannot really vouch for the veracity of these claims. But then again, as they say, there is no smoke without fire. More so given that this is China we are talking about. A country with the most restrictive media censorship in the world. And here's hoping that someday we get to know what happened. We're probably not going to get to know what happened. If, you know, it's going to have to be leaked. That's just going to have to happen. I, 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 I'm shocked. Four? Four variants? Shoot. This is uh, <laughs> oh, oh, Mad Max, man. We're living in Mad Max. That's what's happening right now, man. We are not going to have a good year. All right. Things are not going well at all. Here we go. The next story. Update you on the situation in Ukraine. A short time ago, we told you about air raid sirens sounding across the country this lunchtime with people asked to take shelter. The mayor of Kiev, Vitaly Klitschko, has issued a message on social media saying there are explosions in Kiev. Stay in shelters. One of the explosions rang out between residential buildings in the Solomayansk district of the capital. All services follow in place. Explosions also took place in the Peshersk district and Holosivsk districts. There are, there is destruction rather. Rescuers and medics follow to the places. Let's cross now to our correspondent, Yusra Elbagir. She joins us now live from Kiev now. Uh, Yusra, did you hear those air raid sirens? Can you just give us a sense of what's happening there right now? Yeah, I mean, we heard the air raid sirens and around 30 to 40 minutes later, we heard the blast. There have been 10 blasts confirmed in Kiev so far. And just as we came out, we saw plumes of smoke rising above the buildings here in the capital. Well, this is, we're getting reports that this is widespread south and west of the country and even two Russian drone attacks in, in the west. And this is just two days after a mass attack, 69 ro rockets fired into Ukraine from Moscow. And this is New Year's Eve. New Year's is the most celebrated holiday here in Ukraine. And Moscow is sending a very, very strong message. Is there any indication, Yusra, of the, the, the damage that's been sustained at this time? 
I mean, we, we're, we're still figuring out how much damage has been, been caused, but that confirmation from the mayor that a missile, that a blast was in a residential area is very concerning. People are, have been told to take shelter, and, and the attack two days ago, which, where the missiles were intercepted coming into Kyiv, 16 of the missiles were said to be intercepted, still saw three people wounded and, and two homes destroyed here. So we're yet to see what, what will happen. And that's, um, that's basically it. I mean, Kiev, look, they need to surrender. That's it. It's gone on long enough. Okay. Blackouts, no food. Going without food at times in some places. Okay. Their Ukrainian government is restricting them from talking about it, what they're going through. Uh, they need they need to surrender. That's what they need to do. This is this is sad. Give Russia Ukraine. All right. Next up. All right. We have uh Let's see here. Ah, yes. Um, Venezuelans have uh, voted out U.S.-backed opposition leader. All right. Let's check this out right here. Now, let me show the video first. I'll show the video. I'll show the video first. That's what I'll do. Because I know people don't like just reading text. They want to see video and hear the video first. So I'll do that. In contentious debate, two-thirds of Venezuela's opposition lawmakers voted to end the interim government of Juan Guaido, the man that for more than three years has tried and failed to house President Nicolás Maduro. Juan Guaido had declared himself the legitimate president of Venezuela after calling Maduro's 2018 re-election a sham and amid large protests against the government. The United States and dozens of other Western nations backed him and issued sanctions against Maduro's government. But Maduro remains firmly in power despite a worsening economic, political and humanitarian crisis in the country. In a last call to save the institution on Thursday, Guaido proposed to maintain the interim government, calling on the National Assembly to instead appoint a new president. It's a call to common sense. Let's defend institutionality, the constitution, and unity above names or personal interests. But the three other political parties moved on with their decision to end the parallel government. Some lawmakers voiced their opposition, fearing it could put the country's foreign economic assets, chief among them US-based oil refinery Citgo, currently controlled by their interim government, back into Maduro's hand. This is shameful. I cannot understand how we are committing this suicide. The end of Guaido's government coincides with a slight improvement in Venezuela's economy and a new geopolitical situation that has strengthened Maduro's position. And the Biden administration is considering an easing of sanctions in exchange for free presidential elections in 2024, which are being negotiated in Mexico. In a way, it's a return to reality. The opposition is admitting Maduro is effectively who holds power. And now they will have to find a different democratic solution to get him out of power. While Friday's vote once again revealed the divisions affecting Venezuela's opposition, it was likely time for a change of strategy. Now the opposition will focus on finding a unifying candidate for the 2024 presidential elections, hoping that Venezuela's economic vows and the negotiations in Mexico will push Maduro to allow for free and fair conditions for them. Hmm.
you can't really trust the United States government, man. Because most of the time, they are the ones causing the poverty. Putting sanctions on Venezuela. Hmm. Right, and you wonder why they they voted you out. Island Nation demands reparations from. Hold on one second. I'm sorry. Wrong story. Wrong story right here. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, okay, sorry about that. Venezuela votes out U.S.-backed opposition leader Juan Guaido led at least one failed attempt to overthrow President Nicolas Maduro, and received vocal support from Washington. Yeah, I, yeah. Opposition lawmakers in Venezuela have voted to dissolve the interim government formed under the one-time leader Juan Guado, a main rival to the country's ruling Socialist Party and once a darling of the U.S. foreign policy establishment. Yeah, I can see why they voted him out. Holding their vote over a Zoom call, the opposition-controlled National Assembly moved to recognize their movement on Friday with 72 lawmakers voting in favor of this ban, the legislature compared to just 29 opposed. Guaido's terms at the head of the assembly, as well as his interim president declared in 2019 with the blessing of the U.S. are now to set end on January 5th. Venezuela needs new machinery in this struggle. Lawmaker Juan Miguel Matthias of the opposition Justice First Party said after the vote, adding that Guaido's tenure as interim leader was something that was supposed to be temporary, but it came something per perpetual. Guado and his supporters, meanwhile, have argued that dissolving interim government could spell the demise of any unified opposition movement, insisting it will only bolster the power and influence of Madado, who has been deemed an illegitimate leader by Washington and a long list of allies. This is not about defending Guado. This is all. A, this is about not losing the important tools that we have in the struggle. Guado said. The shakeup in the opposition leadership follows several years of failed efforts to oust Madado from power, including a series of heated street protests and an outright coup attempt in 2019. While Guado and fellow opposition leaders failed to inspire mass defections among the security forces, as hoped, the ill-fated poached enjoyed open support from U.S. officials. In addition to eliminating the temporary government, the assembly said it would establish a new committee to monitor the state assets still controls, which includes a quantity of gold bullion stored at the Bank of England, as well as the American oil firm Citgo, even as it continues to, to be majority owned by PDVSA, a state-controlled energy giant operated by President Maduro government in Caracas. The National Assembly will also create a special entity to negotiate with Maduro, aiming to take part in another round of elections slated for 2024, while opposition candidates
Okay. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, hello, hello. Okay. All right. What I will say is the fact that the issue I have is the fact of when it comes to Israel, when it comes to the fact of how um, they mistreat minorities, they call them the N-word. Uh, only in 2013 that they just came out with information admitting that they were sterilizing uh, Ethiopian women without their consent. Okay. And if you look into the Talmud, it says that you could harm uh, the Goyim without them knowing. Okay. Look into the Talmud. Okay. But, you know, they do a lot of horrible things to uh, non-Jews in Israel, kick them out and stuff. But then they have, you know, the audacity and the gall to want money be given to them. So that I have an issue with them. I do not hate them, but that is an issue that has to be checked and called out. And don't even, and when they even try to pull that, oh, you're being anti-Semitic, like, no, you're being racist. Okay. It took that whole government and made it strictly, um, extremely racist. but want the audacity to ask for money and places to go. But when people want to come to Israel and live, oh, and they're not, uh, and they're not white, all hell breaks loose with you guys. You call us the N-word. You call us a bunch of racial slurs. It's ridiculous. But I like these articles because it shows what people's thinking in their head, and they put it on the Internet. I love it. Okay, so let's check out this uh, safe, Safety Act. And this is good news, too. Tonight, the Illinois Supreme Court has halted the elimination of cash bail that was set to take effect tomorrow. The high court says it ordered the stay to maintain consistent pretrial procedures throughout Illinois while the justices prepare to take up the matter. The decision follows days of confusion after a Kankakee County judge ruled cashless bail unconstitutional. Illinois Attorney General Kwame Raoul has appealed the decision. Reaction quickly poured in tonight. The DePage and Kane County State's attorneys said in a joint statement, we are very pleased with the Illinois Supreme Court's decision. The equal administration of justice is paramount to the successful and fair administration of our criminal justice system. The Cook County Public Defender's Office in a statement said, we are confident that the Supreme Court will swiftly reverse the lower court finding and confirm the constitutionality of the Pretrial Fairness Act. And Attorney General Raul, in a press release, sought to clarify the legal battle, saying, it's important to note that the order issued today by the court is not a decision on the merits of the constitutionality of the Safety Act. The Supreme Court has not announced when it will hear arguments in the appeal. All right. Okay. It's a good thing, man. That's a good thing. People are not going to end up <laughs> living in a Mad Max movie <laughs> this January. Hey, I just hope it stays that way. I just hope it stays that way. I really do. I really hope so, because they're trying to break down this country any way they can. Time to check out what's going on here. Check out this. Uh, what's going on in Texas with this weather? Let's check that out. Whoops. Here we go. A lot of people are probably wondering, how is the power grid doing? ERCOT, the agency that manages the grid, 
has been pouring a lot of power capacity to meet demand. Peak demand will likely happen tomorrow morning. Here's Fox News' Blake Hansen with a look at how things are holding up. Blake. And Courtney's bottom line, so far no issues in terms of the overall health of the grid. In fact, there's quite a bit of reserve still in terms of electricity to draw from. I want to give you a live look at essentially what is the grid supply and demand as it stands right now. The supply line is that line you see running along the top and the demand is the line that runs along the bottom. You want the, a big gap there and that's what we're seeing right now. In fact, around 11,000 megawatts of reserve uh, is where we've been sitting at roughly over this last hour. Wind has been a big contributing factor today, obviously. You felt it if you've been outside, providing almost as much generation as natural gas so far. But of course, the wind is not always going to be blowing as it has been today. And we are to the worst of the storm yet, at least in terms of uh, how it can impact the electricity grid. Uh, currently, ERCOT projects that tomorrow morning at 9 a.m., that's going to be when the peak period of demand is a little more than 71,000 megawatts during that time frame. For some perspective, that's 4,000 megawatts or so above what ERCOT projected as the peak for the winter season. Winter, of course, just getting started. Now, Friday night also bears watching once equipment has had to endure a long period of below freezing temps. Energy consultant Doug Lewin notes that though there's a number of factors that don't make this storm such a big impact as winter storm Erie did in 2021. I think this is not a true test. I, I would I would call this a, a, a small quiz at the beginning of the semester or something, right? This is not a final exam. This is the, the final exam will be another URI type of event. And I think the biggest wild cards are things that we we don't know about that that could impact things negatively would be gas supply. And again, ERCOT has not requested people to conserve power. And again, more than 10,000 megawatts of reserve. It would have to drop those reserves, have to drop below 2,300 megawatts to trigger uh, those emergency conditions. Now, the lack of, of meaningful snow or ice, obviously that plays a big role in terms of it's not being as bad. The temperature's not quite as severe as what we saw in 2021 as well. So these aren't the same storms by any means, but we still Still got a ways to go in these freezing temperatures and it's yet to see if equipment will start to deal with issues as we go further on throughout this very cold weather event Clarice all right Blake you can yeah man this is a uh, tough times tough times right here Okay, so use declares Texas grid emergency and Arctic blast, all right? Bloomberg, the U.S. Energy Department declared a power emergency in Texas, citing a shortage of electricity as the Arctic winter blast causes power plants to fail. The order allows the state's grid operator to exceed a certain air pollution limits to boost generation amid record power demand in the state. The Electric Reliability Council of Texas whose service area includes 90% of electric customers, Texas requests the emergency order Friday, warning it may need to resort to blackouts. While the vast majority of generating units in the ERCOT region continue to continue operate without any problem, a smaller number of units have experienced operating difficulties due to cold weather or gas curtailments. The Energy Department said in, an, in its order, the order said 11,000 megawatts of coal and gas-fired power, 4,000 megawatts of wind, and 1,700 megawatts of solar power were out or declared to weather conditions. It will require the grid operators to provide detailed report to the Energy Department and completion of the post-incident uh, special environmental analysis. A department of a department spokesperson said, spokeswoman added in the email, demands on the Texas power grid reached an all-time winter peak in the excess of 74,000 megawatts on Friday morning, according to the Energy Department. Texas officials have been assuring residents the power grid is up to the challenge and that there's no danger of repeat, a repeat of the February 2021 catastrophe that killed more than 2,000 people. Resorts to blackouts, man. 
this is not this is going to be so uh, people you know i hope they're prepared i hope they're stocked up on food i hope they have ammo i hope they have we weapons because people are going to take advantage of blackouts okay that's 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 just the nature of it all the human nature is you know um, you know, I need things I didn't prepare. They're going to look to see who did, who's the weakest victim that they could steal from. You know, people like to say humans are good. No, we are not. If we were good, we wouldn't need laws. All right. Let's talk about this sad tragedy. All right. Let's get into this. One of the victims from the blizzard, now identified as 22-year-old Annadelle Taylor of Charlotte, South Carolina. Her family says she was driving home from work when she became stuck in the blinding snow. 7 News reporter Jordan Johnson has more on the youngest victim of the storm. The blizzard that pummeled western New York Christmas weekend also dealt a heart-wrenching blow to a close family. We're trying to get her here. Because I want her here with me. Wanda Brown Steele grieving her daughter, Andell Taylor, who was only 22 years old, the youngest victim so far of the deadly winter storm. She went to Buffalo, New York to take care of her father, got a job up there, went back to school. She got caught in that massive and deadly storm the day before Christmas. The details the family knows so far are hard to fathom. On her way home from work. And my daughter was talking to her up to like a little past um, midnight. It was a group text between Andell and her sisters back in Charlotte. She had just gotten stuck in blinding snow that was piling up fast. I don't think none of us really knew how serious it was. At 4.13 on Friday, Andell texted this video. Her window seemingly completely covered by snow. She was... Um telling my sister that she was scared. Then just after midnight at 12.09 a.m. on Christmas Eve, Andell texted another video, inching down her window. You can see conditions completely deteriorated. Call 911 and she was waiting for them. At this point, her sister Tamisha says she began to get angry. She says it seemed no one was coming to her sister's aid. Definitely everybody that tried to get to her got stuck. Fire department, police. Why didn't they have chains on their tires. This is a state that's known for snow. This family says Andell was resilient and didn't panic. She told my daughter that she was going to go to sleep and when she get up um, she was going to try to start walking. That opportunity never came. After family in New York made two failed attempts to find Andell. I told them that they needed to go back out there again. That's when they bust the window and seen that she was in there. Some have theorized she died from hypothermia. Her mom thinks it was carbon monoxide poisoning. The snow was still coming, so it blocked the the um the pipes. The exhaust pipe. Yeah, the exhaust pipe. It's a tragic chain of events sandwiched between Christmas and Andell's upcoming 23rd birthday. A lot of crying. That's it. Still got presents under the tree. It's so easy to ask yourself, why God? Why? But it's not always meant for us to know the answer to that. Before she found the family thinks Andel was trapped from three o'clock Christmas Eve. Right now the family is trying to figure out funeral arrangements and getting Andel's remains back to charlotte but it's a hefty expense for them if you would like to help we have a link on our web yeah what i'd say is you know your life means more than your job you don't have to come in do not come in for work if you're in see these type of conditions i don't care you could always get in they could always find another person to replace you and sad to say they're working on replacing her now these your employment does not care about you. You have you come first. Natural disasters, you stay home with your family. They could scream on you, tell you to come to work, say no. They could threaten you, so what? They'll find somebody else. They'll get mad. They'll hang up the phone. They may curse you out, but you will. they will find somebody else, and you will be alive with your family. 
because these employers only care about making their bottom line and they are selfish and only care about themselves. You got to have the same mindset. Thoughts and prayers for this family. That's all I could say in that situation. All right. Okay. So that's about it. Um, hope you enjoyed the live stream. Hope you liked being informed. Uh, anything you want to know about this channel it's in the description box. free to like share comment and subscribe let's have a conversation in the comments about the story what do you think what's your thoughts okay later